Well, the Hay family, the Hay family has once again taken up the yearly challenge of re-watching The Lord of the Rings, the trilogy. Uh, it's hard to believe, but those movies came out almost 20 years ago, starting in 2001, then 2002, then 2003. Uh, we have the extended versions on DVD, and so each movie is about four hours long with the last one, the, the, uh, the Return of the King, I think is about four and a half hours. So this is like a 12, 13 hour project we undertake each year, and however, however many times we've watched it, I've never been disappointed by the repeated viewings or the experience of watching these movies, and I always find something new in them to, to think about. And what I'm thinking about today is about temptation and power. Early on in the first movie, the gray-bearded wizard Gandalf discovers that a ring that his friend Bilbo Baggins has possessed for many years is actually an evil ring of power that was made thousands of years before by the Dark Lord Sauron, made in the fires of Mount Doom. Uh, Sauron, who is the Lord of the Ring, or all the rings, but Sauron is intent on finding this one ring, and the ring itself has a will of its own as an intent on finding its way back to Sauron. And when Gandalf tells the young hobbit Frodo, who is the nephew of Bilbo, when Gandalf tells young hobbit Frodo that the ring Frodo holds in his hand is the evil ring of power, Frodo, in desperation, tries to give the ring to Gandalf, and Gandalf bellows, Don't tempt me, Frodo. I dare not take it, not even to keep it safe. He says, Understand, Frodo, I would use this ring from a desire to do good, but through me it would wield a power too great and too terrible. To imagine. Ian McKellar, yeah, he's a great, great actor, plays Gandalf. But later in the second movie in the of the trilogy, The Two Towers, we are introduced to the odious character by the name of Wormtongue. Now, Wormtongue is the counselor to King Theoden. And Theoden is, is haggard in appearance and slumps down in his throne as Wormtongue whispers so-called advice into the king's ear, telling him really lies. And we find out that Wormtongue is actually in league with the dual forces of evil Sauron and his protege, the wizard Saruman. And so Frodo and Gandalf and Theoden and Wormtongue, Saruman, and all the other characters in The Lord of the Rings, their actions are all inspired in part by their desire either to destroy this ring or to possess it. And those who even are trying to destroy it sometimes fall prey to its power. And one of the ways of looking at the Lord of the Rings, in part, is through this prism of temptation and power and the effects the ring has on individuals as they struggle to resist it or sometimes fail to resist its power. And one of the ways of looking at Jesus in the Gospels is to look at how Jesus uses and doesn't use his power as the Son of God. And when he does use his power, to what purpose and to what ends does he use it? As we heard, the devil tempts Jesus to command a stone to become a loaf of bread. And then the devil took him into Jerusalem, placed him on the tip top high point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And then, and then he takes Jesus up a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and tells Jesus, if you will worship me, they will all be yours. As if the devil really had if he really possessed all those kingdoms. And so in each case, Jesus, Jesus refuses, refuses the devil. Failing in his attempts, the devil draws, draws away and looks for another opportune time to tempt him. 
And so the devil sidles up to Jesus, whispers in his ear, and it is with, whispers lies into his ear, and it is with power of various kinds that the devil tempts Jesus in the desert when he is famished after eating nothing for 40 days. He tempts Jesus with, we might say, economic power of making bread, turning stones into bread, of spiritual power, you know, test God by throwing yourself down, see if he will save you, or political power, here's all the kingdoms of the world for you. They are there for Jesus' taking. But the question for Jesus is whether he will live with integrity and use the power of God for the purpose that, purposes that God intended it for. Now there's a quote. You know, J.R.R. Tolkien wrote The Lord of the Rings. Uh, he had a friend named C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis, uh, he, there's a quote attributed to him that goes like this. Integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is looking. That's integrity. And doing the right thing even when no one is looking. That is certainly the case of Jesus when he was alone in the desert. Uh, integrity also means to me showing forth in your life what we profess by our faith. And then this scene in the desert, Jesus maintains his integrity. He maintains his faith in God. Despite his vulnerability, despite the vulnerable state of being famished, he does the right thing when no one is looking. And it's not always easy to do that. I heard someone once say that it is a good practice not to make important decisions while on an emotional high or while on an emotional low. Not good to make important decisions, either high or low. The devil tempts Jesus when he is famished. He is hungry. And I take that mean Jesus is at a physical low point. So how often have we made poor decisions when we were tired? How often have we said yes to an event, a project, or something? When we were tired, when we would, if we were more well-rested and energized, we might have said no. Now, as an aside, a few blocks over on the wall of the Capri restaurant, there's a sign on the wall that says, I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. <laughs> Notice people on Instagram have to take their pictures there. Now, we don't always make the best decisions or are at our best when we are hungry or when we're sad or when we're angry, and especially we don't make good decisions when we're afraid. Don't panic. We fall short of those who desire, we fall short of those, we fall short of who we desire to be, of who God would have us be. But Jesus doesn't fall short. He maintains his integrity, he knows who he is, he knows he is the Son of God, and is mindful of what that means. And another way of looking at this, as I, as I said, is, is, is a lesson of what kind of God or what kind of son of God Jesus is, and how he uses power and to what purposes. As I said, he is not out for political power, he's not out for economic power, he's not, even though he does have spiritual power, he doesn't use it for his own benefit, he uses the power he has as the son of God for the benefit of other people. And through that, Jesus makes it visible to us that he is the son of God, and as we say in the Book of Common Prayer, he is the perfect image of the Father. So Jesus lives with integrity and obedience despite temptations not to do so. And as those who follow Jesus, can we, how can we try to live and act with more integrity? When someone or something tempts us to turn stones into bread, to do something that only serves ourselves, will we do it? And when someone promises that he or she will give us all the kingdoms of the world, or that he or she can make everything right with a wave of her hand, are we tempted to believe that person? And at what cost would we do so? 
And we all go to church, we're all here today, and probably consider ourselves good Christians, which I, I like to think that we're all good Christian people here. But from our vantage point here in the church, do we think that the rules don't apply to us as they do to others? Do we think that we have God on our side, and if we have God on our side, then we can do whatever we want? Good questions to consider during Lent. And in the great litany, which we prayed here at the beginning, we ask that the good Lord deliver us. We ask the good Lord deliver us from all evil and wickedness, from sin, from the crafts and assaults of the devil, from all inordinate and sinful affections, and from all the deceits of the world, the flesh, and the devil. That covers about everything. All these things are assaults, or could be assaults, on our integrity of, of, of living the values that we embrace. And though the good Lord will do his best to deliver us, which I believe he will, the good Lord will do his best to deliver us from these things, we will from time to time fall short. We will fail to live up to our values. We will give in to the deceits of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Which is why we also beseech the Lord in the great litany that he, he would strengthen such as do stand, uh, that he would comfort and help the weak-hearted, that he would raise up those who fall and finally beat down Satan under our feet, however we might understand Satan or the devil to be. And he could do this because Jesus was like us in every way, yet without sin, the perfect image of the Father. And so may, through his grace, may we resist the temptations that beset us, live the integrity that God intends for us, and show forth in our lives what we profess by our faith. Amen.